0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Forbidden Archaeology Forgotten History Divination Magic Cryptozoology UFOs Nature Science And Spirit All this and more Right here On the Main Street Universe Radio Network
2: scientific studies have shown correlations between artistic endeavors and cognitive abilities. These new findings, and I think it's kind of funny that they say new, but I'm with the people writing this paper, so I'm okay. (laughs) Not with them, but I agree with them. Uh, These findings, especially how effective attention training can be in classroom settings, uh, offer insight into potential new teaching methods for younger students. These Scientific studies uh, offer a tentative explanation for common anecdotal reports that academic performance improves in schools that boost their art programs. Different art forms, such as music or dance, activate a quite uh, different types of intelligence, if you will. There is linguistic, spatial, temporal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if kids remain open to the experience and stay interested, all of the art forms seem to interact with the attention network, the attention part of the brain. All are positive, productive, and necessary, in my opinion, for a complete, well-rounded person. Art has always been with us and should be valued. Well, art is valued here on our show right here at Main Street Universe and our guest is Mr. Stephen Park and he's an amazing artist himself and we'll be right back to talk to him right here on Main Street Universe the network (laughs) and show reminding you that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe are closer to Main Street than you may have ever imagined
1: Forbidden Archaeology Forgotten History Divination Magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
2: everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Main Street Universe, the show and network reminding you that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe are closer to Main Street than you may have ever imagined. And I don't know about you, but I...
3: I can imagine a lot.
2: Absolutely. And I'm here with our associate producer, Miss Janice R. White. Welcome, Janice.
3: Welcome. Welcome, everybody, tonight.
2: And before we get to our guest, I want to mention that Main Street Universe is, in fact, a network of multiple shows, it's kind of changing and evolving. And forgive me if I slip a little bit this evening, folks, because I injured my tongue a little bit, <laughs> and I'm coming off a cold. But I'm not contagious. Don't worry. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm,
3: thanks for telling <laughs> me.
2: But just the throats throw a little sore, but we're good.
3: Okay.
2: Uh, trust me. I, I know when I'm beyond that point. Just a little sniffly It's winter, but uh,
3: very much so. It,
2: it, cool. it, it, it came and went quick. All the things I do, the natural things I do, they worked in like two days. So in the old days, it would be two weeks, but after I've been studying and have some great um, teachers as well, like one on our network we'll get to, Susan Weed and some other things, the cold pretty much went away in about two and a half days, just some leftover sniffles and things, and then I bit my tongue really bad. Um, anyway, we don't need the details of that. No. Right now, uh, we're going to discuss uh, some of the shows on our network, and starting with this one, the flagship show, the one that started it all, Main Street Universe, and it was started with myself and Mr. Kevin Baird. Sometimes we're in the studio when we do this, so I hit drums, and when the drums aren't around, because we do it from live from Café Fairfax, but right now Café Fairfax is being used by our engineer, Stefan, to do some mix-downs for my band, which is Dragon's Head, and I'm very excited that our CD, I think, will be out by March, so we'll get to all that at some other point, but Main Street Universe, Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time is our time right now, it's founded by myself and Mr. Kevin Bear, but now hosted by myself and Ms. Janice R. White, our associate producer. Then... Later on Wednesday evenings, or right after this show, is Mr. Darren Boucare, And Darren calls in all the way from the magical city of New, New Orleans, Orleans Louisiana. Louisiana. And he works at Marie Lavo's House of Voodoo and is a an intuitive consultant, tarot, and palm reader. Of course, I do palm readings on the radio. I don't think that medium really works very well on radio. But uh, he does. Uh, cool. <laughs> so, he will actually be on after us, and the calls will roll in for a reading from Darren, who's a very sought-after reader in New Orleans. And you can visit him personally at the shop, and he also works at Reverend Zombies there, so two of the shops right there in downtown French Quarter area, Louisiana. Then on Thursday evenings, we have rotating once-a-month hosts. One of them will be Woven Green, who's already with us, and they've done a few shows and already have a few planned I've seen in the in the upcoming list. And it's Jim and Ashley Cash of Woven Green, and they talk about a lot of, I would say, mystical and new age concepts, a lot about connectivity. They have a few um, artistic issues they're very passionate about as well. They're musicians, they're a husband and wife band, who are actually guests on our album, Our uh, her voice and his guitar. So what great chemistry just to bring right away when you needed two musicians. They've been working together forever, plus they're married. So... It's uh, been a pleasure to work with them, and they're, they're very super nice people. Absolutely, so they're on once a month. So just look out for what time of month on Thursdays, and the show usually airs at I think 10 p.m. Eastern time. So it's woven green, and then on Fridays we have Jesse Ann Nichols George every week with Activating Compassion, and her show. I think it's been airing in the afternoon. The reason is is that she was on a book tour and she has to adjust it. But if you join our group or our Facebook page, you'll see the updates. Or if you see just follow us, Street Universe, on Walk Talk Radio, and press follow, then what you'll get is the email update as soon as the show is about to come on. It'll say, oh, it's coming on in 90 minutes, 60 minutes, et cetera, et cetera. So it's Jessie Ann Nichols-George. She's the author of four books, Activating Compassion and its companion workbook, as well as You, Me, Like Dreams, and its companion workbook So check it out on Fridays Jesse Ann, Nichols George And then we go down to Mondays And I want to congratulate Since we don't have the drums and cymbals here today Mr. <laughs> Randy Goldberg He's the host of our Monday evening show at 10pm Eastern time and it's called Science of Light And Randy was featured In an interview Today I think it was Put out on the Washington Post Talking about astrology and Mercury uh, retrograde and things like that. As he is, yeah, he's a Vedic astrologer as well as a Western astrologer, and he studies uh, Jungian archetypes and talks about all this stuff on his show. So a lot of people aren't familiar with the Vedic astrology or the astrology of of India, and so it's an interesting uh, perspective. Check him out, Randy Goldberg, Science of Light, and interviewed today for what he does in the Washington Post. So congratulations, Randy. Then on Tuesdays, we have the Master Herbalist, Miss Susan Weed. And Susan's been doing this a pretty good time and knows what she's talking about, talking about her teas and infusions and trying to eat a little bit wild, if you can, psychology of healing, women's health issues, as well as just sexual health issues. There's a book called Down There, Both for Men and Women. And she has many uh, different views that I think surprise people in the natural medicine world. So I would advise you to check her out at the Wise Woman Center. Check her out at SusanWeed.com or right here on Green Magic, Green Medicine with Susan Weed every Tuesday night behind
3: that.
2: at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, and she has a show here with us that's only about a half hour long. It's just like a half hour little mini herbal class. And right now, her topic has been the 13 sacred trees of the Celtic tradition and the healing qualities associated with those, you know, oak, ash, thorn, and others. So check out, she's still in the middle of that 13 tree lesson and we will continue. That'll probably be going on for a little while. As it's a half hour show and she packs a lot of information within that half hour. And then I also wanted to mention on Saturdays that Mary Phelan occasionally comes back to do a once a month show with us. She was with us before then she left and now she's back and she comes back to do a show. She is a television host actually locally here at FPA Fairfax Public Access Television has been doing so for 16 years, yes. and it's called Telepathic TV.
3: And I work on that
2: show. And our associate producer here, Janice, works on that show, and she also does, from that same station, The World well, Reggae, Reggae Party.
3: Party. Yes.
2: So those is the show right now that make up the Main Street Universe Radio Network. And right now, tonight, our guest is someone who's had an interesting artistic history and some some pretty big name clients and some other fun things going on, and I'm going to go ahead and turn his microphone on and say, welcome, Mr. Stephen Park. How are you this evening?
4: Good, good. How are you?
2: I am well, and I thank you for joining us here on Main Street Universe. Yes,
4: we thank you for that. Thank you for having me.
2: And I guess we'll start off nice and simple and just say with the first question, then I'll let Janice take a few after that. And that is, what first motivated you into visual art, painting, photography, drawing, things like that? Hmm.
0: <clears throat>
4: what probably very, very first thing was probably coloring books. Um, <laughs> my parents my parents pointed out that I often drew outside of the lines. And... Uh, <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. So I, I tended to color everything with the main subject, which I guess was a little unusual, uh <laughs> for a kid. Um okay. but honestly, I don't remember a time where I didn't draw to some extent, you know, whether just just for myself or just because I enjoyed it. And um it was and it was my as a kid, it was my expression of entertainers that I enjoyed because I would tend to draw like the actors I liked in shows and I would draw the musicians I liked listening to. So it was kind of a, you know, kind of a back in my own kind of personal way to, to other art forms that I enjoyed.
2: Okay. And that brought me to another question because I noticed looking at some of your artwork that you can, now I'm not saying all of it. I'm just saying of what I saw and I really Mm -hmm. liked what I saw and I was saying you tended to draw sort of pop icons well-known people famous people is there something about that allure, or that they're kind of like minor deities or something was there something about that that you wanted to capture them in some way well
0: I've
4: had the opportunity to work in the music industry with musicians um, and that's been a lot of fun because um, and that's on the photograph photography side um, that's been a lot of fun for me uh, because I like music so much. And I think it's interesting, the The series I just did, which is a whole lot of musicians, uh, was inspired by a an old file I found moving things around on my computer of a, I guess the best thing I could call, it looked like a little bit like a woodcut type of thing that I had done as a pitch for a... Um, uh Crosby Still's Nash and Young T shirt because I designed some tour shirts for various artists and that was one of the ones I pitched. They actually ended up wanting a lot more political type of stuff, which I ended up doing for them, but that particular one they never used, but I really liked it. And it just kind of disappeared for a while. <laughs> and I ran across it and thought, I enjoyed making that. I right? you know, I wonder if I could do that style again because it was sort of, you know, me playing around with the style. Um it's not something I'd spent a lot of time doing. So I started with musicians I liked. I just thought, well, this will be fun. I'll just do some. And I really liked the results. And every time I would draw one, I'd go, I'd learn something different. I'd look at it and realize I'd learn something different in the technique. So then I started to make a list of people I thought it would be fun to draw. And I started to notice that the initial part of that list was mostly deceased musicians. And I thought, well, be, maybe that would be an interesting thing to kind of give myself some parameters because otherwise I could just draw anything, like tons and tons of different musicians. So I did, and I, I still ended up with a lot of them, <laughs> even just being deceased. Uh, so really, that particular series, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of 140 to 150 drawings last year, just sprung out of that particular um, uh, thought process. Yeah, I really hadn't intended to make something that went that long but it just turned out that way so that's probably what you're seeing right now is that um i would say that i have also well i guess i've done a lot of musicians because i like i said i enjoy the craft um but i've also had other things that are not musician related and, and all that it just so happens the bulk of that work was last year
2: okay and uh, janice
3: okay Well, he kind of took my question, but I'm going to go and expand it a little bit. Um, What or who introduced you to uh, illustration and photography? Was that one particular
4: person that introduced you to it?
0: Mm,
4: mm, I wouldn't say there's one specific person. I do know, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of took it and ran with it on my own a lot of times. Uh, my family was military and I do recall when I was in Germany on base um, that when we were getting ready to move, uh, they were packing the house, my parents were doing all this work and my brother and I were, you know, kind of like in the way basically because you can't help at that age. And I remember a guy sitting with me drawing, like what comic book characters do you like? And you just draw I know I remember that distinctly and I'm sure that that's the kind of thing that, you know, just sticks with you. And then one day you go, "Oh, I'd like to do that. So I don't know that there was any one particular person. I think there's a lot of artists that I would see their artwork. I guess I noticed things like that. Like when, you know, when star Wars came out, I love the illustrator, Drew Struzan, who did all those star Wars and Indiana Jones posters. I think anybody who's into illustration admires that guy because he really uh, established his own style. So I just think that I picked up on visual cues like that. And Tried them out on my own, and you know, kind of did my own attempt at at those styles, and that's how. I don't want to say I totally taught myself. I did take some courses in high school and college, um, but I was actually a theater major through high school and college, so I, I wasn't focused on the drawing. I just did that, you more or less for my own enjoyment, um, just something to relax with, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to pinpoint a particular. Um, Person on that, and with the photography, that was something I enjoyed doing through high school and into college. Uh, again, I, I, here's the interesting thing: I could almost say that music was my inspiration for all of it because I got more into photography because I found in my high school and college I could get into concerts and photograph those for my school for the school newspapers, meaning I could get to go see music for free
5: <laughs> and hey, get to and the get to part. photograph
4: it. Right an
2: angle, I like the angle.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that – and I think it was, like I said earlier, it was a little bit of my giving back for the enjoyment I was getting from the music. You know, just sort of a – you know, you talked about whether it was iconic. Um, I I think that the artists I chose had a certain, uh, you know, uh, place in music history. Um, and people that – within the series I did last year, some people I really hadn't paid attention to. Like I just didn't really know their music – and that was an interesting process for me because I made sure to at least listen to some of their music and get a feel for it. And I, you know, I got turned on to some music that I wasn't really that into or aware of. So that was a, an interesting process. So it, I guess it does. It all kind of goes back to music as an inspiration for that. Um, and then the photography, oddly enough, replaced a lot of my illustration. Um, I started off doing the illustration and I did very photorealistic illustration, partially because I think since I taught myself, the goal was to make it look as real as possible. Um, I didn't really take a lot of chances in trying to, too stylized, um, unlike the new stuff I'm doing, which is very stylized. Uh, so in that learning process, I realized that um, at a point when computers were very viable tools and were not too expensive, that that was going to quickly replace what I did as an illustrator, because part of what allowed me to make a living was I could make things look almost like a photograph. So no copyright issues, none of that stuff. And then all of a sudden, um, hey, we can get that photograph and digitally manipulate it. So I had to, I decided to learn that.
0: <laughs> so mm-hmm. Same thing.
4: Bought a computer, yep. figured it out, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Cool. So that's that.
3: So I'm kind of curious about your first graphic novel. I, um, Parazzi. can you tell I paparazzi i
4: paparazzi, paparazzi right. okay. um yeah, well, a little background on that i um something we we'll talk about later if you want uh from nineteen eighty eight uh to two thousand, I worked for Prince and then I worked for the artist, formerly known as Prince, although actually he was just a symbol I, that was I love you,
0: Prince. So, yeah <laughs> and then
4: and then Prince again, you know, so I made it through three like back from the beginning through the name change back to Prince again, um. But I, when my son was born, I chose not to continue having to travel and give up all my time for that uh, because I wanted to be home for my son. So my first opportunity for something that was a pretty big project was this graphic novel. And um, I worked with a photographer named Stephen John Phillips. I was not the photographer on that particular uh, piece. And the idea was is creating a um, graphic novel that was all photography, which in... Some uh, places in the world, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think like Mexico has had this as a thing. They do it all the time. It's called Fumetti. That sound, That doesn't sound Mexican. That sounds Italian. <laughs> so maybe it's Italy. Um, but there is a style that was already established. But that style was relatively simple. They didn't go all out the backgrounds and things. Um, this had a lot of digital work in it to give it a feel. And so it walked a line between illustration as we tend to know it in the comic book graphic novel world and, uh, photography. So that was my first one. And, uh, fortunately for me, I got to do another one after that, which was based on, uh, the life of Edgar Allan Poe in a fictionalized way, as if, uh, Poe's life was a story that he wrote. if that's the best way I can describe that one. Um, and then I've done another one since then. So, uh, that I kind of attribute my ability to, to work in that genre from having a theater background, because all those things kicked back in, you know, like, basically, uh, hmm, I have to costume this, I don't have anybody to costume this, I'll costume this, I have to prop this, I'll prop this, I have to basically direct this with people who aren't even actors, and so it was an interesting uh, process to bring in a whole bunch of skill sets that I had learned through college, and then apply them to then get to the final artwork, uh, telling the story, so that's it's more than you asked for. I understand, but that's sort of the process that got, that got me to where I am now with uh, graphic novels. Okay. Okay.
2: And I wanted to comment that um, had you had experience when you mentioned your college experience, had you had experience in direction or directing of plays, or maybe behind the scenes kind of things like theater uh, setup or construction or things like that? Oh uh, yes, yeah,
4: yeah. As a matter of fact, I went to George Mason
2: so right there in Fairfax. Um
4: oh, okay. I uh yeah, yeah, I I lived in Fairfax for many many years. So um I was a, a theater major with an acting emphasis, um uh, but I always enjoyed doing set work, um and then of course through our classes we got to direct um I guess kind of one act type of things. And uh by the time and, oh, and the opportunity artistically for me it was kind of great and I always tell when I when I talk to art students, I always remind them of this because you know, of course, I at a point thought, oh, I should have gone to school for art. And uh, I was very fortunate um, in a way to, uh, I came up to Maryland Institute College of Art. My father's like, well, if you're not really enjoying the acting thing, we can see what we can do about going to art school. And uh, so I came up and I brought my portfolio, and I was very lucky to meet a man named Scott Kelly, who just unfortunately recently died. Um, but he told me, he looked at my portfolio, and he told me point blank, he said, you're already working. Uh, towards a goal, you have a lot of strong skills, and, and you're self-motivated. And he said, if you come here, you'll probably end up knocking heads with the professors, and you won't be real happy. And he said, you could you could come here, but I advise you don't. Which is interesting, you know, like it's an interesting thing to hear. <laughs> right, right. And uh, yeah, so but it was the best advice I could have gotten because I could have spent another four years getting a degree there. And the reality is, staying at George Mason. Um, I got to design the posters for the plays. I got to design uh, ads that went in newspapers. So I got very practical experience in translating, you know, whatever the concept of the play was to the poster and then taking that and having to set it up for a newspaper ad to a certain specification and things like that. So I I got a lot more pragmatic um, artistic experience by probably not being in an art program. Um, Because I always look at it like if you're in an art program you're in a program with a whole bunch of other people doing the same thing you're doing, and to some extent, you're all looking for the same work, and you're also looking for the same opportunities. And unless you expand um, your search a little bit and say, I wonder what it would be like if I joined, uh, you know, for, well, of course I would say this, but <laughs> join like a, a small acting troupe and do a play just to do it, just for the experience of it, just to do something different artistically, or, um, you know, anything like that uh, that gets you out of a specific mode of of the art that you're doing. Uh, I think it can be very um counterproductive to be that focused sometimes because you don't you don't bring in outside influence into what you're doing. You're all kind of working out of the same uh small pot and then where do the ideas come from.
2: And I think that's interesting and I, and I also wanted to mention well, kind of a side note, I guess. Maybe you've heard the name But one of my relatives, one of my in-laws, actually, it's my brother's wife's father. Is his name is Ben Samler, and he's the head of the technical drama department at Yale. Hmm. And he's actually written uh, a book or two on technical theater. So it was an interesting experience to go up there, you know, when they became the new, I guess, part of the family, and to be in the gut of the theater and see all the, you know, things. Especially at Yale, you know, kind of a cool place to to see that and to see everything that goes on behind the scenes and everybody working on their stuff and all that. It was pretty cool.
4: Oh, absolutely. Well, one of the interesting things I found after getting out of high school and any time I would go back and see a production, I noticed that the first year or two when I was back, I'd start to I'd be very nervous because I knew all the things that could possibly go wrong simply by virtue yeah. of um, you know what it takes. And so, you know, but I'm like, well, wait, we did it, we got through it, you know. So it, it's actually kind of, kind of <laughs> funny. But yeah, I do that even with professional productions. Sometimes I'll see a particular thing and go, ooh, that's really, it's not dangerous because I've worked. I'm sure they worked out all the kinks. But at the same time, <laughs> I know that, that we're that's one of those up, things. Right? Like,
0: yeah, yeah,
4: you know, I'm a little concerned. So it's funny. But uh, I try to let it go when I go see a
2: professional show. And even being just in a in a band, you know, like I'm in. with four or five people, sometimes six, or sometimes we get a guest or whatever, but you feel everything that could possibly go wrong. Not that I stress it, but, you you know, it's in the back of your mind. You know, okay, I hope this is tight. And then I can imagine in the theater aspect, which which I didn't grow up in so much of a theater background at all, but, uh, but you know, my friends and some ex-girlfriends were theater people. And uh, I can just imagine it's like if you let – you forget your lines or something, you feel like you're letting, like, a hundred people down.
0: <laughs> right. It's bad yeah. if you
2: make a mistake in a band, and, oh, I'm off-key on my guitar. Ah, well, you know, it's late night, it's 2 o'clock in a pub or whatever. And then uh, I'm just thinking on stage, it's like, oh, gosh. I, I can see that being a very intimidating world. <laughs>
4: oh, yeah, yeah. I had, a in, in high school, I had a... Uh, the lead in the show, which is kind of cool and but at the same time you're it's like a lot of pressure because you're you know you're one of the leads and I believe I skipped uh an entire scene with another actor because you know what I was saying was carrying the direction <laughs> all of a sudden, one of the nights I just glossed right over a whole thing, and i afterwards somebody you know, was like, uh, you know you missed that entire thing that you're supposed to do with that actor i'm like uh how how terrible of me. Now, the funny part is he went on to be a professional actor, and so maybe that was part of what did it. I, I like to believe that, that, you know, that drove him harder
2: that's because he missed that entire scene. <laughs>
4: that's right, yeah, because, yeah. You,
2: you, because he felt not important enough that he had to <laughs> prove himself after skipping it. That's in.
0: right. <laughs> that's but anyway, right. Yes,
2: we're, yes. we're about at the half hour break. I just want to take a quick song break, and then we'll come right back, okay? Sounds great. And just like the opening song, it was was from our good friends, uh, Jim and Ashley Cash, who also do our Wednesday show. Um, this one will as well be from them, and this one is going to be called Before Moonlit Nights. Well, I'm, it's not going to be called. It actually is already called that. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be played. <laughs> it's the one It'll we're going to play. Yeah, um now. So, this is Jim and Ashley Cash. It's a nice little song. It's called Before Moonlit Nights. And we will play a few minutes of it, and then we will be right back with Mr. Stephen Park. Park. And we'll discuss maybe in the next section, we discuss some history, some past. We'll keep on that. And then at the end, we, of course, want to discuss future. But maybe we'll discuss a few celebrities you've worked with and see, like, okay, what was this person? So maybe we'll get our mind on that a little bit, and then we'll discuss future plans. But we'll be back with Mr. Stephen Park in just a few minutes.
1: Archaeology, Forgotten History, Divination, Magic, Cryptozoology, UFOs, Nature, Science, and Spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
2: All right, everyone, and we are back. ...with our guest, Mr. Stephen Park. And I just want to remind everyone that they are listening to Main Street Universe, the show and network, reminding everyone that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe are closer to Main Street than may have ever imagined. And and and, I can
3: imagine a lot.
2: And part of our mission and part of our statement is make your own life. Uh, and that your ability to take control, as I wear this captain's wheel necklace here, uh, is... That I've gotten a lot of comments on. I actually bought it for four ninety nine <laughs> at AC Moore, and people are like, "Oh, I really love that necklace." <laughs> they have and, uh, great stuff, actually. They do. If you, and so anyway, <clears throat> and living the artistic life, because we do have artists on the show. We also have all sorts of different types of guests. We've had a beekeeper expert who was talking about the disappearing honeybee population. So we have issues of nature, of science, and spirit, just as it says. We had scientists. We had a physicist on one time, who was from Iran, who was talking about some pagan practices that still survive in Iran, whether or not they're actually calling it that. But like they still let the kids off school for two weeks for the vernal equinox, and they just—it's just been happening so long that you just still uh whatever you can still do it. So we've had all sorts of interesting, great guests, and tonight we have a great one too, Mr. Stephen Park. I'm going to turn his microphone back on now, and welcome back. Steve, when the mic comes back on, I know it's spinning. No, right there. I,
0: right
4: there? Yep, I'm here. Okay. All right.
2: And I believe that Janice has the next question for you.
3: All right. Well, you know, I met you uh, a couple months ago. I think, what, three months, four months at uh, Jordan Faye Block's studio. That is correct. Correct. And... uh I went through the whole exhibit, but I kept coming back to your pictures, uh, especially Bob Marley. I really wanted to say my pain to get that Bob Marley. Oh, yeah, Bob Marley. Yes, because you know I have a reggae show, so I should have that Bob Marley, actually. (laughs) So, But I wanted to know uh, uh, about that particular uh, uh, night with uh, Jordan Fay and the exhibit and what came about that? Uh, was that your first art show? And um, it was in Baltimore, so I'm also wondering if living in Baltimore has influenced your artwork. So there's actually
4: two okay. questions. That is two questions. That's right. Um, <clears throat> okay, well, the first part is I would say I was just about as surprised as anybody else to have my work at this show. Um Part of it is that coming up as a commercial, what's considered a commercial artist, um, and even, honestly, even in high school, um, to some extent, I think you get the idea that, well, if you can draw something that looks realistic, that's all well and good, but that's almost an exercise, like everybody can do that. I, ha- I had a teacher who actually said, any of my students can do that, and then they challenged them to do so, and it didn't really work in her favor, I'll just say that, but <laughs> it's not necessarily Yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: exactly. So uh, so, I guess I always had a perception that, okay, what I do serves a specific purpose. And so if I'm working for someone, they need something that says X and I do something that, that visually does that for them. Um, so when I started doing the, the musician series, it really wasn't for anything other than myself. And I just threw them up on Facebook here and there because... Um, just to kind of share, I'm like, okay, I did this, here you go, we put it up. And people started reacting, you know, very positively towards it. Um, around that time, I met Jordan, well, I guess I'd had a number of them under my belt at that point, and she was uh, redoing a studio in West Baltimore, the one that you were, that you were in. And uh, it's interesting, because I've been in Baltimore for a long time, but I never exactly connected with the art community here, not on purpose. I just, you know, when I was working for Prince, I flew to Minneapolis all the time. So I really knew, I knew the art scene in Minneapolis better than I knew it here, which is kind of funny. And also, when I'd come back, because, you know, working for Prince is a lot, it's a lot to do, and I was sort of burnt out when I'd come back, and I wanted to kind of not deal with art, <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, I get... Considering that the art part felt like work to me, it wasn't something I wanted to necessarily deal with,
1: with you know, in my
4: downtime.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: exactly. So, um, so this, this was interesting just because meeting her and she got very excited when she saw my, my work. I didn't even really talk about it at first. I just, I just kind of like played it. I, I tend to do that. I, tend to I play was really and play excited that when I
0: saw it. That's why I kept coming <laughs> to it.
4: Yeah, and I'll tell you, it, it was, it, the interesting part was these things. Now, I do them digitally, and people, they sometimes they don't get that, and the only reason they don't get it is because I say, well, I use a tablet, and then the word tablet, of course, is like referred referring to an iPad type of device, but that's not what it is. It's actually a drawing tablet that connects to my computer, and so I'm using a pen tool that actually has multiple levels of pressure. I can use different nibs on the pen. I set the width of the stroke and all that stuff. So it's really like working... With uh, regular media like a brush or whatever, it's just that the input is on my screen rather than, you know, on a piece of paper. It's not that I don't draw on paper. As a matter of fact, prior to this, I was challenging myself. My son he, like was digging out all my old drawings, going, "You should keep doing this. You why don't you draw anymore?" I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> so he just started. He started getting on me. He's like, he was 13 at the time, he's just like, "You need to draw, Dad." I'm like, "All right, fine." So I got a little little sketch pad. And I would just go on Facebook and say, so, you know, fifth celebrity someone names just to work on likenesses and stuff, just to have a reference, uh, I'll draw it. So I'd draw it. I'd try to do like 20 minutes at the most. I'd take a little picture of it and put it on Facebook. And that was kind of the, I guess, the beginnings of just getting back into kind of seeing and drawing and things like that. Um, so, you know, ultimately speaking, when Jordan saw the work, you know, she expressed to me that she thought, you know, it was she really liked it and she thought that people would like it and what I want to be involved in this show. And I'm like, like in my my head, I have to say, I was kind of like, what, really?
0: (laughs) So, um,
4: so yeah, of course. And then I was like, okay, sure. And so it was a really interesting process, you know, getting there, only because it was such a a not planned, like I wasn't gearing it towards anything. It was just, I was just doing it. And then getting the pieces printed, deciding how they would be printed and what the look of it would be in the field would be, that was all pretty interesting too. And then for me, it was really interesting to see them going from my screen to uh, this paper that we were using in particular my printer used to give it really give it a print feel like it was a like actually a lino cut or a woodblock print. And um, one of the most interesting things I ran into um, when they were up is there were a bunch of younger people standing there talking about them and I heard them going, like, well, I'm not sure how we did this. I know how we did this, but I can't get figure this out. And I said, well, I'm the artist. Do you have a question? Well, yeah, we get this. Okay, we're all print majors. So they're all print majors from Micah. Like they're going like, we understand this. Like, you know, you probably cut this out, did this and all this. But I don't know how you made those little tiny circles like that. And I said, because it's all digital. And they were like, they all kind of just, their mouths dropped open. What do you mean digital? I'm like, it's digital. But it looks like a print. I said, well, it's kind of what I was going for. And it was just funny because i didn't hadn't talked to anybody about it i hadn't I hadn't made any particular i don't know any noise about it, wanting it to look just like that, but it was really funny to have people trying to figure out my technique who actually do carve this stuff into wood or linoleum or you know what have you and then print it they they bought it as what it was, so that was kind of interesting and kind of exciting for me. It was like I wasn't trying to fool anybody in particular i just it was just more that that's the style I was after. And apparently, I achieved it, so that was that was kind of satisfying
2: <laughs> um, to do that. And I understand that, and I also understand that using the new and the old. I'm certainly yeah. learning that now in music as 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 a singer and a guitar player in a band. I don't. I I, I knew nothing of this digital recording. You know, I knew old school recording. I mean, I, I'm not that old, but I'm 44. But I, yeah, I, I just didn't grow up with that. You know, and then right. Right. learning it. And then once you see it, you're like, "Wow, this is quick and effective." And you're still being an artist. You're still playing your part. It doesn't mean you're cheating. You're just getting it done, and it's and it's more effective. You know, it's so it's a fascinating thing to go through, the new and the old. Right. I guess wisdom.
4: Right. No, and I do think I do think that sometimes people think it's an easier process. And as soon as they're like, "Oh, do you use a filter?" I'm like, "No," and and somebody even asked me, "said Well, for your backgrounds, do you?" Because I was doing these really complicated backgrounds on certain ones, uh, which I, I I enjoy them when I have time. And then I decided right for the show I want to do this one of Elvis because I wasn't real happy with my Elvis, and I wanted to do a new one. And I, but I wanted to do the background like i had been doing these other ones. And as soon as I had to do it in a time frame I realized how much work I was putting into it because I'm like oh please be done it's taking me so long and um so yeah so so it's kind of interesting to you know and, and again I'm drawing somebody said why don't you cut and paste you know do a little bit of the texture and then cut and paste I said no I don't want to do that I said that's not the point of this this is not that I mean that's cool but that's not what I'm after here I'm after it really being hand done and really trying not to correct too much as I go um there's a lot of freedom in, in working digitally. Command-Z, knowing you have Command-Z also makes you work uh, a little, take a little more risk and chance because if you screw up, you know you can fix it. Um, and consequently, I found myself being fairly, getting pretty much what I wanted without having to Command-Z, which was kind of nice.
2: So anyway, so that was, that was that. Really like that point, by the way, that that bit of technology gave you an opportunity to really uh take a risk with it because you know you can you can fix it. Not that you want to be like all quick fix but but mm-hmm. it does do that. And and if you use right. it intelligently, you can still be a little bit pure, you can still be natural, and I think that's a very good point that it yeah, is. No, absolutely. Well
4: and, and I'll be honest, having missed the college exp- the one thing that I would say I missed about not doing art in college is that I think, you know, um school by its nature should offer you the opportunity. I say should because I know there's pressure in school. I've got a 14-year-old. There's a lot of pressure in school. Um, but should give you the opportunity to experiment and to fail. And to fail is learning because you're not really failing. You're actually learning something about what you're doing and learning how to not do that again if you find that to not be the thing you wanted to do. And if you don't give yourself the opportunity to to not achieve what you want the first time, you're going to miss a whole lot of learning. Um, I, as a self-taught artist, again, my goal was basically I'm looking at a photo, I'm going to make it look like that photo. And people will be like, wow, it looks just like a photograph. And that's that's a good way to hone your craft, but it doesn't do anything about expressing yourself through the work. You know what I mean? It's like, you can be very technically proficient, but not bring any life or soul to what you're doing. And so, I feel like that's a little bit of what I miss by not being in school. But I'm trying to, obviously, trying to make up for it as I go.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I would say that as a musician, as the difference between playing a cover tune and writing a song or an album and making it your own expression. Right.
4: Right. Or well, and I know I know people who are, are phenomenal musicians who can take a song and make that their own too. And that, I think that's a, you know, uh, as a matter of fact, I have friends of mine who have an an amazing band. I love their, their work. And they were sort of, um, I don't know, I think they were sort of hesitant to get into a whole second record of writing because that takes a lot of effort as, as you know, to write all of that material. And I said, well, you guys have gotten together. You've had fun. Just continue the fun. Look at records that, that, you know, that you loved and just record that and not, don't stress yourself out. They had a great time, and they never thought of that. It was easy for me to see it as an outsider that, hey, give that a shot, you know, and and they had a lot of fun doing it. It really made those songs their own, too. Especially based on inspiration.
2: If you pick ones that just inspire you, you're not picking it for other reasons. And another thing I wanted to comment on was when you mentioned the failure thing, then we'll get to Janice, um, and just as a statement. It it is interesting, and and I I like to use um, baseball as a reference for that, because, if you fail what if you're a batter at the plate at baseball and I played baseball as a kid, if you fail seven out of ten times, then you're a great success. That means you have a three hundred batting average and you're one of the best hitters on the team. Literally the best hitter on the team doesn't usually have a three hundred maybe as a three fifty or a three hundred batting average. That means you have failed seven out of ten times. Maybe one sure. of the interesting of that sport (laughs) but
4: that is that is interesting well and just a real quick side note on that because the sports analogy that I heard that was uh one of the best um was that uh uh, Victor Wooten who I've done work with uh he was doing oh yeah yeah with 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 kids and that guy's great to listen to I mean it's just like I just sit there and it's one of the times that I'm very quiet (laughs) just listening to him but he said he liked Uh, You know, people talk about sports and how much they like playing sports and how much they like watching sports. And he said, I like being a musician because when I come out into the arena, as it were, the stage, everybody in that room is for me. When you're on a a baseball, football, soccer team, half of them are against you. I was like, that's an interesting thought. It's like nobody everybody's rooting everybody's rooting for you. No one is doing you. <laughs> yeah, hello. Well, that's true. I guess if you're the opening act that might not be true. <laughs> Sometimes that happens.
0: So, now did I
4: Janisa, did I answer the rest of your question? Not really, but uh No, okay. So get back okay, to Okay. It. well, I'm you answered the uh,
3: um the Jordan question. Um yes. But you never said anything about how Baltimore – because you said you lived there for a long uh, time. I yeah. know I lived in Baltimore yeah, yeah. for 10 years um, to move here, and now I wish I went back to Baltimore, but, you know, that's
4: between us. Right, uh, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
3: okay,
4: well, <laughs> Baltimore is an interesting city, as, as anyone who's been here can tell you. Yes. And, again, yes. I grew up. I grew up in Fairfax. It was a different Fairfax than it is now, but it was still – hustle and bustle and go to the mall and all that. And, um, I came here and it's a uh, very, you know, very blue collar. Uh, when I came here, very industrial, I used to joke that the inner Harbor reminded me of something out of science fiction movies. And I expected something with three eyes to come out, you know, from the water. <laughs> <laughs> and that might've actually happened. Oh, that uh, might happen someday. That, that, that's right. Exactly. Um, But I do think that one thing that's interesting about Baltimore, Baltimore, and they're a little too humble and a little too self-deprecating, but there's something that's nice about that that people don't think a lot of themselves. I also spent time in D.C. In D.C., people thought a lot of themselves in D.C. Not everybody I knew, but I'm just saying it as an attitude. Yeah, Yeah, and so Baltimore has that chip on its shoulder. It's an underdog city, and the upside of, of being an underdog is that you work harder. That you you have to prove something, and so I kind of like a little bit of that. Um, I also like, I really like, from the standpoint of creating the graphic novels that I did. Anytime uh, we needed to create a, the backgrounds or or whatever for Poe, uh, for this book called Medusa's Daughter that that I just worked on, I could find anything. I need it in Baltimore. I can find woods in Baltimore. I can find a little German-looking shop in Baltimore. I can find row houses of all descriptions and sizes, mansions. Uh, You know, it just has it all, you know? Yes, I agree. So I think that that's been a huge thing that's what's kept me here in a lot of ways, other than, uh, you know, having my son here, um, is just simply that it's all accessible to me. And if I need to go you know, if I need to go to anything else, it's a short drive, even the beach. I can get to the beach if I need to. So uh I th- I think it's been a, a pretty a pretty big influence and I love frankly love the architecture. I never never lived in a place that had the variety of architecture and uh beautiful statues and things that Baltimore has. So you can you can just go around Baltimore and see absolutely stunning uh examples of artwork if you look. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, people don't tend to look. That's the problem.
2: <laughs> unusual, very houses.
4: unusual stuff.
3: Yeah, like some unusual corner
2: townhomes and some just interesting things. Some of them were dilapidated, but it, it was—it was like, wow. I mean, it, it's. I believe in the magic of buildings. Some of the oh, people in the metaphysical world think more nature, and I—I I agree with that. But I think there's definitely and now. This is there's subjective. Some magic, we're we're Mexican putting buildings. Yeah. I don't know if you're into these things as much, but we, we're, it's sometimes we talk about metaphysical uh, sort of topics, and I think there's a certain energy in buildings too. I think they have a nice life of their own, and uh, and
5: uh, oh, absolutely, and
2: absolutely, yeah.
4: So that does that answer your question about the influence of Baltimore? I just think, and and you know what. Baltimore is a weird town. I like that it's a weird town. I like a weird town. I do. <laughs> yeah. So
3: Some,
0: some people want to get it's away
4: weird. from that, but, uh, yeah, I think it is, and I think it's going to stay that way. Yes. So, yeah. Cool. So you're still
3: saving that Bob Marley for me, right? I absolutely am, yep. Okay. <laughs> you heard it first, Daniel. That's right. So. For just $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah.
2: That's uh, so no, no, no. I don't think it's that high, right? So. <laughs> well, no, I don't
3: think it's that high.
2: So. <laughs> well, it's Bob Marley, so it's going to be high. Yeah. Sorry. Bad, bad. Bad, joke. But um, <laughs> that's okay. I can say that in front of the host of the World Reggae Party yes, and get yes. away with it. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, we are kind of coming down to some of the closing arguments, so I want you to talk about what you're maybe working on now or future, like things you're passionate about for future projects you might be into or now or or general uh, plugs and things like that.
4: Sure. Uh, well, as I said, I have a book called Medusa's Daughter that I worked with um, Jonathan Scott Fuqua, who's a writer, that I've worked with on uh, a couple of different books. Um, this one is a graphic novel. It comes with a graphic novel, a, uh, gen- a regular, quote-unquote, regular uh, prose novel, and then also a version for kids with dyslexia and reading issues. And part of what we decided to do with that was make sure it was a book that could be read at whatever level. It's a young adult book. uh could be read at whatever level the uh, young adult was reading. So uh, basically, teens could share a book with each other, talk about it, even if, you know, you're not the strongest reader. Even if you don't like graphic novels, even if you don't like prose novels, there's something for you. So that's something that uh is is out there. Um, and I am doing a second series of musicians this this year. We'll see how motivated I am and how many I get done. But I am doing uh living musicians this time. I, I've started in a rough chronological order from the fifties. Uh there are people I think are inspirational there are people i think are important to music you're not always going to agree with everybody else i had um last year i did eddie hazel who was a guitar player for uh funkadelic and a lot of people were like who's that and i told them and they're like why'd you pick that guy i said because i really like his guitar style i thought he brought something unusual to the table and every time i play him for somebody they're like wow that's awesome so you know just a personal preference but i started off with um and uh, Chuck Berry, and uh, um, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Fats Domino. And this is interesting. One thing oh, I wow. hadn't thought about, living people can get in touch with you. <laughs> and I had someone uh, related to uh, Fats Domino, his, his daughter, actually get in touch with me, and I'm sending a print off to Fats Domino, and he's sending me oh. one back. Oh, so they're that, cool. That's kind of cool, right? I mean, yeah, you know. I like
0: that a
4: lot. Yeah, so... So that's a series I'm going to keep doing. I'm, I'm enjoying it. it. It's fun for me. I just did one of uh, Bob Dylan, and I, and I really—I mean, I know Bob Dylan. I've actually seen Bob Dylan perform live, but I was never a Bob Dylan fan. But going back and reading through some of his lyrics and things, and then I'd pop up a YouTube uh, song and listen to it, and I was like, okay, this is this is really pretty interesting. And it just was something I never had any perspective on growing up because I listened to primarily funk, jazz, R&B. That was that was sort of my mainstream music as a kid so i really bypassed you know led zeppelin and even the beatles to some extent but i've i've made up for it over time <laughs> um so that's that's going to be a continuing series and uh i've got some photo projects i want to do they're sort of ambiguous at the moment i've got a a young kids book that i wrote for the first thing i actually wrote myself um with illustrations working with somebody else um that's supposed to come out this year i don't know the details yet Uh, I've got, uh, and then I've got two other books I want to do um, that I've been writing. And I'm not, I'm not a writer, but I have a lot of ideas and I'm trying to write them because otherwise I've got to rely on somebody else and that doesn't always happen. uh, Yeah, it doesn't pan out, you know, just sometimes people say they're going to do stuff and, you know, it's like, well, if I can at least get it this far, maybe I can get someone who's a good editor to come in and, kind of make it sound. it's like a good producer you know in the studio <laughs>
0: just
4: walk in there and go no 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 you're doing it here let me fix that for you and then you're like it's gold it's gold now you know so I'll find my Quincy Jones <laughs> yeah he's
3: still alive <laughs> yeah
4: that's that's right that's right
3: he always has
4: yep yeah so so those are some of the projects I've got coming I'm always sort of just putting my myself into different things that come along and you know, in the meantime, of course, just try to keep you know everything else moving as well because you still have to pay the bills outside of all of this. And it's one of those things that I'm um, impressed with anyone who lives their life on their work, just on their work, their vision, and everything. Uh, I, I would love I to do that. We're, we're working yeah. on that now.
2: I said earlier yeah, that. There you smart. go. There you go.
4: Absolutely, but but it's t- it's a tough road to to go down. And I know many friends who do it and are, you know. I know people who are just amazing at what they do and can't can't kind of get a break. And then there's other people who are equally amazing and so things fall in place for them. And so it's, uh, I know it's difficult, but all those people have a passion about what they do and that's what's exciting to me. And that's why it, they're mostly people I end up doing work with, even if it's kind of peripherally like, hey, that's really cool. Do you need pictures of that? I'll take pictures of that for you. Um, I have a friend of mine who's a leather worker, does amazing things with leather. She makes dragon sculptures out of leather. And uh, she well, questions why, why, it's amazing stuff. And I and I said, can I take pictures of it? she goes, why would you want to take pictures of it? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and so I think she's a little suspicious of my, my motives. But hey, and I also, of course, one day I would like to own one of those dragons. So. Uh, but it's things like that where you just, you run into people that you wouldn't expect. And that's, It's one of the things I'm trying to do now. I'm trying to really, I guess that's another thing I'm trying to do is just expand my uh, association with other artists. Um, And if I can be some support for them and we can work together or if I can just be a fan and
2: applaud when they do what they do, I'm I'm happy to be that. And that reminds me that I want to send you, when I send you the link to the show, I want to also send you, because it's a beautiful logo that, we had made for our band, which is called Dragon's Head. You mentioned uh,
1: dragons, like the head of the
2: Viking ship, uh, and the artist's name was Brian Fois. I paid him about 150 dollars. He was a local college kid. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going through a little cold uh, at Mason, and um, he just did an amazing job. So I'll send you the logo, and if you're on Facebook, I think we befriended so. If you uh, I think you'll like uh, the job he did on this logo. It, it was not my idea. He went on his own. I gave him an idea and he just ignored it and what he did was
0: just <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> artists so,
4: artists are like that sometimes. They're kinda yeah. like, No, 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 you don't know what you want, you know. I I know what you
2: need. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you don't
4: know what you
3: want. <laughs> but,
2: anyway, We've been talking to Stephen Park, and what a great conversation it's great been. Great conversation. Awesome. And well, thank he's worked you. with right. And thank you again. And um, all sorts of people Bob, Bob Dylan, Dylan, Bon Jovi, Stanley Clark, all over the place. Yep. And again, Thanks thank you. Joey. We're about to go into our next show. So if you want, you can stick around and, and get a tarot reading from Darren. <laughs> Uh, I see he's in the queue It's fun. all up to you you know. Or That's if formal. you're busy thank We will you. respect your time And we will say goodnight So I'm going to play a little song And thank you again um, Steve for joining yes, us
4: Thank you Steve
2: Oh absolutely my pleasure Thank you Alright And we'll be right back folks Because Darren is in the queue For a spiritual insight With Darren Boucair And he's a reader at Marie Globo's House of Voodoo the magical city of New Orleans. We've been talking to Stephen Park, and he's done art for all sorts of people uh, himself, and as well as many uh, interesting folks over time. And we will be right
1: back. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
2: Spiritual Insight with your host, Mr. Darren Boucair. I'm Daniel Michael, the founder co-creator of the Main Street Universe Radio Network. And I see Darren is there. I'm going to go ahead and turn the mic on. Welcome, Darren. Darren Boucair. Hello, everyone.
5: Welcome to Spiritual Insight. Daniel Michael, how are you tonight?
2: I'm doing very well. And we were interviewing an amazing guest, um, uh, I see you're still on the line. Hello, oh, are you still there, Steve? Yep. Okay. Uh, would you be interested in a reading from Darren?
4: I was thinking about
2: it. Okay, good. And Darren Steve uh, has worked with many interesting people, including Bon Jovi and Prince, and and others as a oh. photographer and drawer,
5: artist, painter. How about that? Um, well, and what Darren, do you What do you do? Illustration or what do you?
4: Uh, both illustration and photography. Yes.
0: Oh, okay. All right. And then you
5: just work with a lot of their different, like, albums and concepts and stuff like that? Yep. All right. Sounds cool. Very interesting. Um, So, uh, tonight, uh, we were going to talk about uh, the element of air, working with air, and uh, how to... uh, I'm going to have to take a short break um, for a second, guys. Just... uh, something I got to do right now so can I call you I will call right back in in a second can you take it from here Daniel Michael
2: yeah yeah I'm here okay I'm with you (laughs) okay so call right back okay see if you're still there (laughs) I am You may have had uh, some kind of temporary emergency. I'm not sure (laughs) what just happened there, or a technical issue, which sometimes there's technical issues with um, this uh, station, but we're still going well. But he was beginning to talk about um, working with the element of air and things like that and what the air qualities are, and some of that is very much... Quickness, swiftness, you know, quick success, hopefully, or also quick failure. Something can be come easy, go easy. And uh, and Darren um, is a reader at Marie Lobo's House of Voodoo, as well as Reverend Zombies. And those are two places in New Orleans that are fairly well known to people that visit. So sometimes we get people that call and, oh, yeah, I've met Darren in person and da-da-da-da-da. And uh, it's, it's an interesting mix because I remember uh, meeting him first here in uh, northern Virginia, and he was here at a local New Age shop uh, called Six and Seven, and that was sort of how we met up. But I guess uh, since you're still here and since we're take, uh, he has taken, a. I think it was a technical break, I mean, he might have had something with his phone or something, but I'm sure he'll be right back. But I guess we can get back to discussing <laughs> something in the nature of, of what you are working on or have done, because you mentioned something about, the realistic versus the, I guess, nouvelle artistic or whatever. And I'm interested in that. And I'm interested in the idea of... I'm always fascinated by people that can draw just like a picture. It's certainly a skill that I don't have anything like. Because I'm interested when you said, oh, your teacher said, oh, well, anybody can do that. It's definitely not a skill that everybody has. Right. And... I think for somebody to say that is inter- I can definitely see that because in like if like for example our backup singer girl has been in the opera world and in that world can be very almost cruel and be very um <laughs> it's very you know hard uh, discipline to keep that voice going in fact, I I bought a uh, when I had a sore throat recently. I bought a spray that was made by an opera singer, or he got together with some somebody to make it, perhaps. But um, that discipline versus the sort of free expression. And so, did your ability just to uh, draw uh, and make it look like a picture? I'm guessing for you, it was just something that just came perfectly natural.
4: Well. Yeah, I mean, I worked at it, um, to be right. sure. I think when I first started drawing, you know, faces, I was about getting the shapes. And it was interesting, because I would tend to draw, not in a very uh, technical way, I would draw sort of starting with the eyes and work my way out, which which, from a structure standpoint of the face is not the smartest thing, because suddenly you find yourself like, you know, like, oh, I drew the eyes too close to the side of the page, so now the this cheek is going to go off the page or, you know, whatever. So I I learned to sort of set, set it up first, you know, do the oval and then sort of parse where everything is before you start drawing it. But I just like the idea of of getting those likenesses. Um, And I think I did, I drew comic book characters, but I would draw comic book characters that I saw. I'm not someone who can take them out of my head and just put them on paper. I think that's a kind of an amazing skill to be able to do that, Um, which is why, doing the photographic novel was so interesting to me because I loved the format and never thought I'd get to participate in creating anything like that. But, um, as far as realism goes, I, I did, I practiced like what, what are the best techniques? I smudged a lot of my, uh, pencil. I use like, you know, just tissue tissues and smudged it around. And then I even go back in with a, um, with a kneaded eraser, you can make a little tiny point and then go back in and like pull out, out of your kind of gray tones, you can pull out poor details in someone's face. It's kind of crazy. (laughs) Um, You know, and I got to the point where, um, like when my son was looking through my old work, uh, I did a lot of airbrush work, and people didn't kind of know it was airbrush, which was kind of, I felt a little bit of a compliment only because there was airbrush, um, vans, uh, motorcycle helmets, things like that, which still I think are very cool, but people thought that's where you were seeing airbrush. And the reality is, as I mentioned, Drew Struzan, who did the uh, Star Wars and Indiana Jones posters, he used airbrush, but he also used colored pencil and gessoes to build up textures and kind of a a bunch of different techniques. Um, So as I was learning, uh, I tended to draw a paint very small. And so my son had pulled out one of my paintings, and he's like, is this a painting? I said, yes. And he goes, how did you do that? And I realized I'm looking at it now as something I did probably 15, 20 years ago. And I looked the size of the heads, and they're not much bigger than my thumb, and yet they're incredibly detailed. And mm. I myself sort of went, okay, this this is ridiculous. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I was using the edge of an X-Acto blade on the board. The board is very resilient, and I could scrape back through the paint to bring um, uh, texture and highlight out of the painting. So, in other words, I was removing paint with just the very, very tip of an X-Acto blade. That's how fine I was working. Um, And like I said, it's developing your skill set. I was using those things to just keep pushing myself. How small can I work? How tight can I work? How realistic can I work? And then um, you know, over time I started to get bored with that because it was it really was working the craft end of it, but not a whole lot of expression. So then I took to where can I make an interesting gesture with a colored pencil. I'm still a little bit afraid to do with paint. So, colored pencil, I can erase that. <laughs> and uh, that's what opened things up to me a little bit. You It know, opened up uh, things visually for me a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I think like anything, if you have a basic skill, you can make the choice to hone that. Um, you know, I'd read about, uh, and you probably know about this, that one of the things that people don't understand is how much time an artist puts in. And they talked about the Beatles And, you know, everybody's like, oh, they wrote these songs, and it was all so quick and easy. Well, no, those guys put in thousands and thousands of hours into their craft. You just didn't see it. You know, that was all behind the scenes. And they found it most successful or or good, I guess, and that's all qualitative, I suppose. But uh, people who've done something with what they do and made something of it – have put in a whole lot of time. It's not it's not a fluke. It's not just the skill. Like you have the skill, but what you do with the skill is an entirely different matter. Um I've heard by the way, I've heard some people who are just, Oh, I sing a little bit and they'll sing something and I'm like, my you know, just like, oh my God, you're incredible. But they don't they don't pursue it. So it's it's really good, but if you wanted to take it somewhere you'd have to make decisions about what you were gonna do with it and what genre you're gonna approach or whether you wanna try and, you know, make a hit or you just want to do it for yourself or you know. So they were telling me, like, well, you know, I can sing but I really don't ever want to do anything with it and it's it almost boggled my mind a little bit to be perfectly honest because it because it was so good, I just like, Oh, but I wanna hear that you know, that was selfish of me to to think like that, but that's true. <laughs> it's just like I wanna hear more. Uh, yeah. So um
0: so yeah, Finding I think you do. Thing.
4: Yeah, exactly. And and just to to hear something that hasn't been I mean, I'm not saying they haven't worked at it at all. I'm just saying that it was never they never sat down and really worked hard at making that their main thing. Um so I do think, you know, it it's like anything. If you've got that basic skill, you can hone it uh to a very fine craft or find somewhere even if even if realism isn't your thing, you know, you can still make a choice as to where you take uh, the work, even if it's, if it's abstract. Um, and Interestingly to me, I was not a fan of abstract art, young person. I kind of thought it was cheap in, in, in the sense that, ah, uh, they just flipped the paint on the canvas and all that. And I learned by going to museums, because I didn't go to school for it, I did learn that, oh, wait a minute. No, these, these people, you know, I'm looking at, um, you know, Pollock. He, I, I thought, he like, just flipped a bunch of, the It looks nice, but that's all he did. And I go back and find that he did figurative work that if you, I, I saw it in a book where if you turn the page, there's a bunch of little figures dancing in really detailed. Well, this, you flip the page and then suddenly there's paint spatter spatters that look pretty much exactly the same as the page you saw before if you're not looking at the detail. So he decided at some point, like, huh, I like what I'm doing here. It's a lot of work. wonder if I can do that this way and, and give myself, it's, it's almost like, coming into, uh, okay, the, the paint hit the canvas this way, so what can I do with it? Um, I find that with these uh, drawings that, are, that look like etchings. I purposely take away the control that I could have over the tool, and it sometimes is wider than I expect, and it doesn't do quite what I want, but it allows for things to happen that I can work from. Um, if you If you spend your time you know worrying over every little stroke and every little detail again you can get a beautiful piece but what you've done is you've you've really limited the potential for creating something more uh than what than what you're doing if you're being very controlling about that i mean it's it's sort of like life if you try to control it too much you're never going to do anything interesting
2: and i agree um there sometimes there are times where a flow just has to happen there are times where there's an interesting statement that can be made that maybe helps you, maybe internally, uh, a drive or a thing or a focus, but and there are also times, and of course, I agree with goal setting and all those sort of things, but there are times where you just kind of just want to let it sail, you know, just kind of drift down the water, let it go naturally.
4: <clears throat> no, absolutely. That's absolutely right. And again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier about, you know, sort of allowing that. Potential for failure or or flat out failure to happen because it really isn't failure. It's 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 either learning or it can open up a whole new uh, sort of stream to you um, that you would not have if you hadn't you know taken taken the dive as it were. You know, uh, staying on the shore doesn't get you anywhere.
2: <laughs> right, exactly, and. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm still looking for Darren to come back. This is It's weird. Uh, I don't know what happened. He said, like, he had something in technical came in. But we can keep talking for a little while. Sure. And to be honest, sure. I read Darren. I, I, yeah, I was going <laughs> to I, go I say, sure, I respect uh, your time, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs>
4: oh, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I, I sort of decided that for a change I was going to let my evening actually kind of wear down instead of, like, making myself do something up until midnight, which I usually
2: do. So oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool.
4: Yeah.
2: And Which brings me to another point. No, I guess it'll be an extended interview now. So, uh, I apologize, because that would have been really cool, because Darren's a fairly well-known reader, and it would have been a fun thing. <laughs> and he may be calling back. I don't know what's going on. Uh, it could be technical, and it does happen from time to time. You know, our, our host, Susan Weed, who's or actually our most um, highest rated show, there were one or two episodes where she just couldn't hear me at one point, you know, and then these things just happen from time to time. In a, <laughs> uh, oh, and Darren is back. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, good, good. Okay, good. Hold on. Darren, are you there? Hello, Darren. Your phone is
5: on. Your mic is on.
0: Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yep, I can hello? hear you. Okay, yep. good. You can
5: hear you. Yeah, hello, gentlemen. I'm I'm sorry about that. I just walked in the door and uh I had a couple of things that were kind of flooded, and I had to just deal with it so it was just kind of crazy. Okay. Um, so, so a little I mean, anyway, we'll you know, right. but um so uh, where where were we?
2: I'll let um the two of you talk. Uh it's it's artist uh Stephen Park who's done um mm-hmm. Photography and yep.
0: painting
5: or Bob mm-hmm. Dylan mm-hmm. and bon Well do you want, you want did you have a question about something metaphysical or? Yeah, a reading. Personal? Okay, alright. Um what's what what your what is uh usually uh when when people want to uh tune in they have something particular that they're curious about? Or um, do you want to
4: I, I could do a general read, or I could I could follow sort of the the theme of things and Hold ask on. about. Well, go ahead. Well, listen. Like,
5: you have you have a very finite amount of of my time, which a lot of people pay for all the time. So if there's right, something well, pressing, if there's something pressing that you'd like to isolate, then that's always a good idea. So or, uh, or you, I'll just
4: I, I suppose. Well, I, I would say this then. Then to follow what we've been talking about, I guess is is just okay. about my my work, my art, my okay.
5: expression of things. All right. So your your art and uh, um, magenta or orange, orange, orange. Okay, so a moment. And what you're doing is picking the tarot deck I'm gonna work with. Um, Okay, and all right. So we want to know how things are moving forward and what we have to look forward to, or the evolution of your aesthetic, or what 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 are we? Uh,
4: I like the first part. What we're yeah, well, we,
5: what you have to look forward to. That's gotcha. right. Okay, cool. Just one moment. Okay, all right. All right. Um, I am getting the subject. So it does relate to your thoughts, um, thoughts, ideas, articulations of intellect. So what you're doing is is you're, you're having... Um, on the onset of, of moving into uh, early spring and that sort of thing, what we're seeing is that your your thoughts are, are kind of muddled, um, a couple of different pinpoints um, of, of uh, media and mixed media and things that you're working with seem to be a little bit, you've you, you got your hands in a lot of ties, and, and you're trying to kind of narrow it down and make it a little bit more linear. Hold on one second. Looking at is a female client, very domineering, very expansive, and she um, showing up as uh, the high priestess. Um, she's a moon goddess. She's sexy. She's vibrant. Uh, this is somebody that may be in the art as well, in your aesthetic as well, but is also a client. So she has a lot of her input that she wants to put in, but you're going to be the person that she's contracting. So the the problem is it's. it's it's kind of a, it's a tug of war a little bit. Now, on the other end of it, and I just, this just occurred to me, it's somebody with a lot of feminine and prima donna energy, it might be a male client who's a little on the semi-side, if you get my meaning on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's that as well. Um, the Three of Cups means you should be ecstatic to work on this situation, and this is as we're moving into the summer, mid but the Three of Cups inverted is, is relating to... You know, you should be thrilled right now because the influx of money is going to be wonderful. But at the same time, it's it, you're you're annoyed <laughs> because it's just an annoying contract. It's just really you're kind of feel like you're under fire. And it, you know, money is great if you got time to spend it. or you you got time, you don't even know when the hell you're going to have a moment to really breathe. So, more one moment. Uh-huh. aware of how you're getting paid, where you're getting paid. And to what accounts and, and who's doing the transfers? If someone's adding their accountant do it, it may take another extra. There may be a four-week like like buffer period where this enormous amount of money that you're expecting, you might have to wait all August, and then eventually it gets there mid-September, and you are just by then you're like like livid, okay? Because on top of being like a semi-frustrating situation, this uh, extraordinary amount of money is not gonna you're not gonna be able to access it because someone's accountant doesn't know what they're doing and blah, blah blah so that sort of thing. On the upswing, I do get the lover's card. Now, this is a renewal of relationship vibrancy. This is a renewal of faith in higher energy. Okay. Um so what I'm getting is that you're you have a good relationship with higher energy, but it's something that's always evolving. It evolves through your vision. It involves evolves through your personal relationships, Stephen. And um, what I'm looking at here is you're going to have an aggressive, forceful, dangerous, dynamic sort of love. And and, um, if you're involved with somebody now, it's going to renew that. But this seems more raw. It seems more visceral. It seems like somebody is going to shake your tree and make you believe in the beauty of life, but it's going to really piss you off because it's, it's inverted. So does that make any sense to you, or I could describe it a little bit better?
4: Uh, it could. It could, yeah.
5: Okay, all right. Let's say you meet somebody, and they're really attractive, and they're really amazing, and you're having great sex, and you're just they just make you want to scream in happiness, but at the same time, they really annoy the crap out of you, and they're very challenging, and they constantly make you, like, strive to please them, but at the same time, it's it's its own reward because you're feeling a deeper sense of love for that person, but at the same time they make you crazy. Throw your slipper at the the, the squirrel or something, you know, you're just really like, oh my God, I'm kidding. But it's that like almost sexy sort of like they drive me crazy, but that's I like that power behind that person. And that's what I'm seeing. And it's and it adds a lot of flavor to your uh your your art as well. It adds you know, that's what you need. You need inspiration. You need that. And it is a little lacking over the summer, I'll be honest with you. So by the time we get to, to September October, that's something you really you really could use. Because you're working, you know, this is the thing when I see this, I, I do a lot of readings for people in film. Um, a lot of people, you know, New Orleans is like rife with, you know, I have tons of friends in the industry. So a lot of people in, you know, that deal with, with, with visual art or, or cameras or even like, uh, you know, c g i and that sort of thing they lose mm-hmm. it becomes just just this tactile dysfunctional job, and they're not they're losing that 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 vibrancy that they had when they were just an artist you know so this is something that is gonna bring a lot of renewal a lot of positive energy into your influx for you, and the fall is gonna be just, just marvelous for you like wild and crazy but but marvelous at the same time right so what I'm we seen that this uh, and in, in this card as well is the Archangel Raphael who's about healing, okay? So sometimes we need that other person fills fill that hollow part in our, in ourselves, even if we can make it a little bit nutty. So, so there's that. Okay. Okay. Great. That's fantastic. Looks good to me. And here's the good part. You're going <laughs> to, like, what, what, what we're glossing over is the fact that you will receive that money eventually. The sun of Pentacles means you might have to wait a minute, but you're going to get that money. And that means that you could look at reinvesting in yourself as an as an artist and as a as a entrepreneur and and just whatever you know. That's it. Right.
4: That
0: would
5: be good.
4: That's great. Cool. I like that. Thank you.
5: Uh, You're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for your patience, guys. I appreciate it. Um, We. uh, So where did you did you touch on air more?
2: No, we didn't talk a little bit about uh, becoming and going in the in and out. And thank you again, Uh uh, and and, and I think it's gone now. Um, Mm -hmm. No, just briefly. I mean, I sometimes see uh, the element of errors representing uh, newness, Mm -hmm. uh, new ideas, new thoughts, new wisdom, Mm
5: -hmm. a new spark,
2: uh, quickness.
5: Park. Um, yeah, a lot of I have brought my friends uh, at work, who are metaphysicians, high priestesses, and, um, and 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 some of them working with Afro-Caribbean magic and sorcery and that sort of thing. So they're very knowledgeable. So I brought them and I'm like, so what do you guys think? What should I talk about with her, and they brought up the fact that you know, yeah, like clouds form lightning,
0: right? Which
5: hits like a- the ground, goes down to the earth, causes fire. So. We're seeing that the genesis of a lot of these elements, and water comes from the clouds as well. So we're seeing air can be the starter. If we look at ceremonial magic, or we look at um, even opening any of any sort of basic circle, circle in any sort of magic, we're looking at the fact that guess what element we start with, everybody? Air. Start with the east.
2: Air. So many people have an east altar too.
5: Yeah, yeah, east altar, and hello, mecca's in the east. Element of air, element of air. I just brought up Archangel Raphael was the last card I got. Archangel Raphael is uh, associated with what element? Air, air, air. And I got in a little debate with somebody, which was funny uh, at the shop because we have all these statues of Archangel Raphael, and the one we have is he's holding a fish. So you know, this girl I worked with is like, it's got to be water, and He's holding a fish. I'm like, well, that's great, but no. <laughs>
2: Because
5: <laughs> it's air. air, air,
2: air, air. Aquarius
5: is pouring
2: space water, water, but it's air.
5: Yeah, it's air. Right, it's Aquarius, but it's air. Aqua, aqua water, right? No, air. Aquarius,
2: but it's still an air sign.
5: Yeah, <laughs> right, right. People don't people don't realize it. It's just it's crazy. Um, so other things that that they 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 added uh, that they kind of thought would be cool to bring up is. Um, uh, slips or silts. Uh, are you familiar with that? And they are the air spirits, the uh, airy spirits, the like yes. uh, feminine G- airy spirits.
2: Uh, all the different names for the the um, the spirits of air. And mm-hmm. I think it's also important to remember that they will have different moralities than we will. Like I say, when anytime you're oh yes, these sort of
5: things. <laughs> they, they, if they we call upon a, a mythical creature, be, be ready. Right. <laughs> Yeah, they might, yeah. And especially an airy spirit. Oh, my gosh. You think you're going to have a handle on that thing? Um, No. (laughs) Sorry. No, you're not. Not going to have a
2: handle on it. I would guess that if you attempted to, you could invoke anger in that spirit. Because I'm an air sign, and one of the things that angers me most, like, I don't get mad at much. I'm not that petty, kind of typical of an air sign. I don't really get all that long-winded anger. It's more like, but if I feel oppressed or trapped, like you were saying, then I could get venomous or vicious. Um, It's not my nature, but if I feel oppressed, if I feel bogged down by earthy pettiness, then that's when I begin to become depressed and angry. Some people are happy with that. Well, I'm in the mundane, but I'm making money. I understand that. For me, I feel no, like
5: I don't I'm, think anybody's happy with that. But they, I mean? some people, people are, are, are more enough. more okay with it than other people.
2: Exactly. So it. handle it better. Or I feel like life yeah. is supposed to be like a series of adventures. I have that air sign quality in me. You know, like I'm supposed to be something interesting, adventurous. You know, I'm supposed to be here at this in this you know, whatever, muckety-muckety. I
5: am also an air sign, and I feel a little yeah. similar, too. I always had to have something wild and crazy happening, something dynamic, something challenging, hence what what I was giving to uh, Stephen about that uh, the sexy hotness thing <laughs> about his lover's cart, because it's challenging. You know, it does, it, get, it gets exciting. Um, I, for one, you know, tend to be pretty excited with uh challenging you know women. So <laughs> I certainly have an M. You know, definitely work. right, right indeed. And uh so there's that. Um Me too. So air is air is amazing. Air is uh, uh just well, you know, and and it is kind of difficult to tap into what it's all about sometimes because and like we were talking about earlier in the week you know, everyone wants to know, you know, if you want to go and connect with the water sign, you go to the ocean, you go to the lake, you go to the, you know, the river. Okay, the water the water element. If you want to connect with the earth, well, go to a natural place. It could be a rocky outcropping, it could be a hill, the woods, you know, whatever. Fire, obviously. Get right. your grill out. <laughs> Far foot to your fire pit. Get your, you know, or go... Stand uh, out in the sun in the in, you know in in, in uh, Santa Fe or something. I don't know what you know. You want to do that, but air, air. Where do you go for air?
2: We don't really have to go anywhere, but I know what you mean. But for a place that feels special to air, what is it? <laughs> right, right. way, way up high in the mountain where you see a bunch of clouds. <laughs>
5: uh-huh.
2: Where you go above right. the cloud line in a plane, maybe. <laughs>
5: Well, you could lay on a, a lay on a hillside if you've got a nice view of the sky and just appreciate the clouds. You could also go into something that has a little altitude or or elevation and, and really experience that elevation. Or some place that's just really really windy. Um, you can also uh, maybe yeah, just I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. Um, I like to, if I want to invoke that element. I bring fans in. Um, I bring feathers, a lot of white feathers, or whatever feathers you got. And if you're doing something with air, because air is intelligence. Air is inspiration. Air is travel. Air is change. Air is transmutability. Air is, air is, is movement.
2: In the pantheons, it's the young mother goddess. It's the maiden in the... In, in the in the in the warrior, you know, it's the, the young version of the Lord and the lady. It's the the new, you know, it's
5: yeah, that that's true. And um and in the tarot it is swords. Swords are air. Swords can be arguably are the scariest cards in the minor time. And that's pretty much I mean people could argue it, but I don't think anyone really debates that the nine of swords and the Ten of Swords are, are really bad. <laughs> they're not fun. They're not, they're not easy. Okay, So when we're looking at, at dramatic change, we're looking at those as being very challenging. Now we have the Queen of Swords. This is somebody that she wants to sh- share her ideas, thoughts, impressions upon everyone. She's got to make her mark verbally. She's got to express her thoughts. She's got to make an impression constantly, maybe with emails, maybe with, you know, maybe visual art, maybe whatever it is, she's got to constantly impact people with her ideas. And she uses that sword that she has in her hand to really cut through the bullshit and get to the point and just do it. So, hello, Daniel Michael?
2: Alright, everybody, we got disconnected there. We were talking about air. We're going to play a brief song.
5: Welcome, Darren. Crazy. (laughs) Sorry.
2: uh, Technical difficulties, you know. Technical
5: difficulties, everybody. We're having all kind of crazy. You
2: know, know, our competition, who, by the way, gets 500,000, apparently, what he's told me, ambient listens, which is a bit more than we get a month, uh, Mm
5: -hmm.
2: says he has the same problem. So uh, we're all kind of, even DuPont uh, has the same problem.
5: What are we uh, talking about? We've
2: been invited to join. I won't go over all the politics of it. Maybe Daniel
5: Michael, but... can you hear me?
2: Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, you hear who are we can... talking about? Um someone else on the network. Um,
5: mm-hmm.
2: on on uh, Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> and okay. it was something I'm gonna to talk to you about. I, we were invited to be part of a larger network as Main Street University. Okay. But I want to make sure I run it by all the hosts because I want oh, to make awesome. sure I sign anything that gives us funny stuff and it's actually all I think still just on this network on blog talk radio but he claims 500000 a month which is I'm just going to say a lot more than we get uh, by far and he said well I like you as a pagan show so I want to involve you and I'm, I know this person a little bit I'm familiar with him a bit in fact I've debated him on the air about some things um, that doesn't mean that we're bitter blood folks. It just means we had a debate <laughs> about an issue we disagreed with. But um, um, but he contacted me and said, oh, well, we might want to con- – they're calling it Pagan Public Radio, and they want to include us on the network, and he claims they get 500K uh, ambient listens. So I'm considering, you know, whatever, as long as it doesn't mean I have to change anything or, or make anybody do anything else they don't want to do and all that kind of stuff, you know. Well, Daniel, Michael,
5: can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. Why would you ask me about it? What do you think, I'm psychic?
2: <laughs> yes. I'd <laughs> <laughs> one of those. <laughs> That's a <are> two-fold.
5: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty good to me. His name is it's What's the downside of it? I mean, what would be the downside of it? I don't see one. Only if we're part of it
2: and we have to be forced on some sort of different schedule. Because that would like, be well, we're downside. already busy and on our own schedule. If you just stream when we're on and it's part of the public network, I don't see an issue at all.
5: Mm-hmm. I think that would, would bring notoriety, though. We might have to tweak our schedule a little bit, but it might be worth it. You know? Why would they why would they approach you? What what gives us do we have that Shinese choir or what? Were we cool like that? Uh
2: he he knows me a little bit. Um,
5: mm-hmm.
2: okay. um I was once part of the same tradition he was in but I then left them.
5: Okay. Not bitterly. Okay.
2: I just left. or you know, whatever, you know, you're in sure. pagan traditions, you leave. And mm-hmm. uh um I'm still friends with everybody involved though there were arguments. And he has pagans tonight, uh, right now, and mm-hmm. it is they claim to be the number one uh, BTR uh, blog talk radio, meaning uh, pagan network, and it probably is. It was probably mm-hmm. one of the first ones on this network, and I'm just saying if if the numbers he's saying are are, are proper, then it could be very advantageous to everyone involved.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. Right. He's trying to establish a 24-7 metaphysical pagan network on blog talk radio, basically, is what he's trying to do. And we would just okay. be part of it. We would be the one of the first ones being part of it. Wow. Um, he well, he told me he contacted me first. I don't know if that's true, but that's fine. Either way, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but we've had a little history. We've known each other. Mm-hmm. And uh and Well, I
5: don't see a downside to
2: it. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I don't necessarily see one either.
5: Mm-hmm. As long as mm-hmm. I don't
2: sign something that makes me do something goofy, I don't see any mm-hmm. downside at all. You know, we help him, he helps us. And uh, and I also think he likes us because of our persistence. We've done this for four years. You know, you know how that can sometimes be in the pagan world where people go to a meet-up group right. and then they're never... You know, they do it for two weeks and then they don't, you know... You know that world. <laughs>
5: they do it for two weeks and that's it.
2: Darren, I want to be well, a tarot
5: reader. having a meetup group that is good. <laughs> you know? Like my tarot meetup at Six of Stones was the bomb diggity, man. Like it was, we got really involved in the cards. We did card activities. We told crazy stories involving the cards. We interacted with each other. We did readings on each other. There's a lot going on, okay? I had a, a schedule all, uh, like, ready to go. We had snacks. Everybody brought stuff. It was awesome and fun. I usually, did, we'd run out of room. We'd have, like, 35 people there every wow. every uh, Sunday. Or it was once a month, I think.
2: I see <clears throat> I see an abundance time coming back, you know, to everything. I really do. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot... I mean, at least in my, you know, I'm just seeing a lot going on, you know, around, and oh. it's 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 interesting. Anyway, I don't want to get mm-hmm. too vague, but I'm just saying, and you know, I don't want to, I also don't want to talk beyond, you know, I don't want to mention this person's name. But, yeah, he asked us, he said he wanted Main Street University to be part of this greater, what he's mm-hmm. calling the public radio network, which I think it will just be, mm-hmm. who, here's what I'm hoping it'll be. Just whenever one Are of you, are you air,
5: listen, are you airing your concerns?
2: Well, I guess technically, but not, I'm not going to air all my concerns. I'm just saying.
5: That I'm was a, understand. that was a, that was a topical joke. I'm just kidding.
2: Uh, I know, I know, I know, I knew. I <laughs> I'm also tired. I'm, I'm stupid. <laughs> I, um, I
5: know. I know. Uh, now it's, now it's not funny because it took too long, but. Okay,
2: go ahead. <laughs> I totally get it. Uh, no, I'm not going to go beyond that. I'm not going to say anything on the air that's inappropriate or anything. But yeah,
5: no, um,
2: right. basically as long as it's just you know I'm not signing something and get myself into some. It says here in this contract that ten years from now you're supposed to pay you know five thousand dollars whatever you know I, I just don't want to sign something you know what I mean.
5: Oh, look at your contract. You got to do that. That's like a no-brainer right there. You got to scrutinize that that contract. Right, that's meaning that, that
2: – and when I said I don't want to sign something, I was kind of joking too. I, I mean, I just mm-hmm. want to be careful about that so that mm-hmm. – just oh, shit, that's all. I'm not being paranoid. I'm just saying, you know, there could be lots of people involved. You want to say 24-7. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? He's calling it pagan, but I think he'll also just take whatever metaphysical – whatever words mm-hmm. you're comfortable with. Uh, radio network that's on 24-7 on BTR, and one of the networks will be, whenever a Main Street Universe show is on, it streams on the mm-hmm. network. And he claims he has mm-hmm. 500,000 ambient listens. I think that includes his oh. other projects. So mm-hmm. so let's even bring it down to 100,000. That's still pretty good, if that's what he actually has. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wicked mm-hmm. awesome, man, if that's what he has. I don't know. I don't know if the numbers I'm giving are true, but I'm not being mean. Well, that or
5: wouldn't t- be a bad thing at all.
2: Yeah. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it, too, um, but we'll see what happens. Um, they haven't built it yet, so they're in the process. I think they'll build it pretty quick. If I know this guy, he's he's kind of a person of action, and he kind of gets things done. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, you'll probably be – either I will soon or he will soon, so – and then we'll just be... He said at no effort on our part. We just do our thing, and he and
5: he streams us.
2: If that's the case, then I don't really... That's my anything. favorite.
5: No effort yeah, on my part. And that's the best.
2: Yeah. I don't see any harm. I can vibe that. Mm-hmm. I can, so can we'll totally vibe that. See how that goes. And then look at the numbers and see... <laughs> it is a funny thing... <laughs> In the old days, I used to look at numbers a lot. Now I don't, and uh, it's mm-hmm. just funny. You know, you go through phases like that when you do the podcasting thing. Mm-hmm. But, well, don't um, be
5: taking on any airs, Daniel Michael.
2: Well, I don't have any air.
5: <laughs> I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. But there is air.
2: Is it <laughs> air I breathe? Is it my only air? <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh. Okay. <laughs> That's fantastic. I just got a call. I probably shouldn't say anything, but certain people are contacting me for the final stages of maybe my own magical... Oh, a magical television show. So we shall see um, we'll work but, uh, on
2: that. Or yeah, that, on
5: that. that 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 may but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um we'll be
2: touring my band will be touring in um April.
5: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Dragon Their Band. Head. Dragon. Mm-hmm. So
2: the songs are sounding exactly. better and better. Even I might have sent you a sample, but they sound way better now. We've been those were just like studio outtake stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, we
0: mm-hmm.
2: we're going to get it mastered professionally. In mm-hmm. fact, one of the guys we're actually sending it to two different people. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> nobody will. Wow. Uh, one is okay. a friend who
5: will master it. So wait, you have your dates for Checkpoint, Lena? Or you're not? At, or you're not at Checkpoint? I'm sorry, you're at Hollywood. You have date for that.
2: that will be the twentieth, yeah. I see. Either the twentieth or the twenty ninth. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. And uh um, of April. Of April.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm not
2: looking at it right now, but we had two um that were they came in like the same day. And one, was mm-hmm. the 20th,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and one was the twentieth. One was the twenty ninth. And I'm pretty sure yeah, it was mm-hmm. the twentieth because the Texas one was the um in Austin. That was the one that was um later. So it was like
5: we're going to well, New I'll take you guys out. We'll rock it out. You can get the Darren Bukair tour in New Orleans. That's like the best one ever.
2: Oh, that would be awesome. I can't wait
5: for the Garden that. District tour. <laughs> can we can the house, we even though a week she aside there. for that. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. You can I'll give you I let's see if I can find tickets. For How many days does that
2: take. <laughs> <laughs> How, How many waivers does does that take? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Three. <laughs> well, luckily there'll be four or five of us there, so yeah. You know, it involves will... a lot
5: of Pepto Bismol, that's all I can
2: say. <laughs> <laughs> so a so that the others can can live.
5: <laughs> Several of the places you'll be going are twenty four hour bars. I'm not lying. <laughs> so <laughs> that's yeah. not an exaggeration. Why is on the
2: on the as they called it, the guff the Gulf coast. hmm on the gist. Oh, that, that was on amazing.
5: The yeah, my yeah. stepfather's moving back to Crestview.
2: <sighs> it's just so how oh, awesome.
5: <laughs> Go visit <laughs> there. I <I'm> like <laughs> Destin, the Destin area tonight. Great, beautiful beaches. It's enjoyable. Um, so, let's see. Now, I haven't really heard very much of your music, um, so I'll have to keep it out on this one.
2: It's coming soon. I'm telling you, it'll actually be. Now I can give you an out, uh, a, a slightly other outtake or better outtake.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so I'll send you something. Um, okay. We, we um, basically recorded the album like three times. You know, we tried it ourselves mm-hmm. twice and it didn't work, and then
0: mm-hmm.
2: we got an engineer once and it didn't work. So you might actually say this album might have been recorded four times, just yeah, because of a learning curve stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And because uh, wow. we had our own studio, and we we're just trying to learn it, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it clearly wasn't ready the first time.
5: hmm But anyway, we're now well, in the future. You, we're you here. persevere, and you get ready, and then you. you move get ready. That's all you do. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, fantastic. Um, next week, uh, we're going to talk about um, talk about water? water. Or fire. Did we yeah. do fire? We did fire yaw yeah. yeah. it'll be I think yeah, we're definitely water. going to talk about water. Or yeah let let's definitely do water and then um the following week we are going to talk about spirit I think. As the okay. fifth element. Although Mia Jovovich is the fifth element. Some say spirit. So. Very attractively
0: yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna go with spirit on that one. Right, and we're gonna accept We'll just we'll do do all those. spirit being, the ether, the astral form, the 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 intention of will manifested through electromagnetic fields that surround our body. All that genius. So that completes the pyramid. Right? Yes, it does. It does complete the pyramid. Um, So I think uh, if you want to get a hold of me uh, for a similar uh, reading as we looked into this evening. private consultation, you can get a hold of me at D-B-U-C-A-R-E, and that's at gmail.com, D-B-U-C-A-R-E, and that is at gmail.com, or go ahead and just call me. Um, You can reach me at Marie Lavo's House of Voodoo Monday through Thursday, and um, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. um, I do uh, some wonderful phone consultations help lots of people all over this wonderful country and abroad. So you can, if you do have a dilemma, uh, we'll be sure to analyze exactly what it is and isolate it and I'm a problem solver. So let's solve the problem. Let's do it.
2: All right, Darren. Thank yes. you again for joining
5: Sure, sure. This was marvelous. Um, and next week we're going to catch away with some water and uh, it should be exciting. Absolutely. Maybe Kevin will join us. I don't know. We'll see what happens with Kevin. Of <laughs> <told him. laughs> I don't know. I mean, hey. Hey, Kevin. I Kevin. Kind of... I miss Kevin's fanfare sometimes, you know. He's a, he's a go-getter. It's fun. It's he's fun to get it when he just pops up, you know what I mean?
2: When you're like, oh,
5: Kevin. What the...
2: He's, well, the, um, he's the quintessential fire Ares. You know, oh, right.
5: Yeah. He comes like right he's in and
2: sending fire, descending fire. Mm-hmm. You know, Aries. Right. You know, he's, he's that guy. Right. <laughs> now, <laughs> anyway, okay. have a great evening, Darren.
5: Okay. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Have a wonderful evening, and thanks for joining us at Spiritual Insight. All right.
2: Bye. Thank you all, and thank all the guests and everyone in the chat room. You've been listening to Main Street Universe, Spiritual Insight. It's this show specifically. On the Main Street Universe Radio Network, the show and network, reminding you that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe are closer to Main Street than you may have ever imagined. Thank you. and Have a great evening.
1: Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more. Right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.